Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Worcester Culture Watch, a podcast connecting you with the local culture scene in Worcester. Arts, entertainment, music, and more. Worcester Culture Watch from the Worcester Telegram and Gazette. Well, welcome to another Worcester Culture Watch, and this is Richard Duckett with uh, reporter Craig Seaman, who for Sunday's uh, paper has a summer concert preview. So, Craig, uh, what are some of the highlights coming up? Uh, Hey, Richard, it's good to see you. Thank you for asking. Uh, We got a big summer, and uh, I did a nice uh, roundup that's running this Sunday, as you already mentioned, and I've come up with a baker's dozen of what I consider to be the biggest or the most exciting and interesting shows of the summer. So, uh, and I and I'm gonna present them to you uh, in uh, chronological order when the dates are. So uh, I'll write. I'll cut into the chase right now. Okay. Already earning a whopping 187 million dollars since launching its Global Spirit World Tour just over a year ago. Depeche Mode has proven that they still supply plenty of angle angst and ill-fated romanticism for the dark masses to devour, even after close to 40 years of existence. While the synth goth trio's latest spirit is mediocre at best, sorry guys, Depeche Mode uh, singer David Gann, uh, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist Martin Gore, and keyboardist Andrew Fletcher always deliver the goods in concert as they have a deep, dark catalog to dig from. Depeche Mode plays June 9th at the TD Garden, Boston. Yeah, it's amazing what they're still going. Um, 40 years. I am amazed. I, and, 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 there's, and this new tour, which has been going on for a year plus, they played uh, one of the casinos uh, in our area last year. Uh, is breaking records it, it, for for a billboard. It's like the number one tour at the moment. And who would have thought? Yeah, they're great live, but they're not the only um, veteran act coming up, right? That is that is so true, uh, Richard. Roger Daltrey is not only the voice of the Who. Daltrey is the voice of Tommy, aka that deaf, dumb, and blind kid who sure plays a mean pinball. So the prospect of the Who's 74-year-old frontman performing Tommy with the Boston Pops could be an amazing journey indeed. Although I am more of a fan of Quadrophenia, which the Who's uh, guitarist resident mastermind Pete Townsend performed last year at the same venue with Tony Award-winning tenor Alfred Bow, which turned out to be a big mistake because you don't want a Tony... don't want the theater aspect, the theater uh, <laughs> musical aspect to Quadrophenia. The Who's Tommy is first and foremost the best and first rock opera ever. And Daltrey is one of the most quintessential voices in rock. So put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Roger Daltrey performs The Who's Tommy 
on June 15th at Tanglewood Lennox. And uh, I have it from uh, a reliable source that uh, this might not be the last we hear of Roger Daltrey this year. I've gathered that in the fall he's going to go on tour solo. So um, who knows? He might be back. He might be back in these parts again. How cool, Richard, would it be if he hit the Hanover? I know. That's what I was wondering. So I mean, even the I mean, he's as you know, he has a history with the Centrum, the Who's farewell tour played here December '82. I think it was December 11th, but I don't want to... It was close to that, if that's not right. I am kind of a stickle in dates like that. And, uh, I mean, as we both know, and you being a Brit, you can't be Daltrey. I mean, it's a little sad to me the last few times seeing him wear eyewear, glasses, but he still will always be Roger Daltrey. Yeah, he's still going strong. Absolutely. And thinking on, about another heavyweight, uh, not as meaty, beady, bigger, bouncy as uh, Roger, <laughs> is uh, on the next act that I have, uh, whether as one half of Simon Garfunkel or as a soloist, songsmith Paul Simon has certainly earned our respect as one of the premier poets turned pop songwriters that emerged out of the latter part of the 20th century. He's a master storyteller whose slice-of-life vignettes are full of harsh truths, humanity, humility, humor, and heart. He has been twice named to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and is the winner of two Record of the Year and three Album of the Year Grammys and, more importantly, is a member of the Saturday Night Live Five-Timer Club. Why, it seems like only yesterday when the 76-year-old Newark, New Jersey-born artist came out on SNL dressed up like a turkey to sing Still Crazy After All These Years, Simon is billing his latest foray on the concert stage as Homeward Bound. The Farewell Tour. Paul Simon plays June 15th at TD Garden. So, people are going to wonder, is there any possibility, do you think, that Art Garfunkel might make a surprise appearance? That would be wonderful. Uh, I think that's water under a troubled bridge or a bridge (laughs) over a troubled water or something. I mean, Art Garfunkel played last month a few shows at the City Winery in Boston, which is a great new venue to see anybody. I don't... I mean, as as I said last month in a column... I mean, next to the Beatles, I think the Simon and Garfunkel is probably the saddest breakup yeah. in, in yeah. rock and roll or pop music. And, and and we're talking kind of near the same time. I mean, not a few years apart. I mean, so, uh, I mean, that would be great. I mean, that would be an added treat. I wouldn't hold your breath, though. No. Well, well, it would be wonderful. But Paul Simon in his own right is, as you say, just incredible. So Absolutely. Uh, it should be great. Thank you. Oh, well, thank Paul Simon, I should say. All those great songs, I mean, as a soloist and as a duo. You, too, is back in the area with the third tour in four years. Last year, you, too, celebrated the 30th year anniversary of the Joshua Tree and sold out Gillette Stadium. This year, they are touring with Songs of Experience, the follow-up to Songs of Innocence, and playing two nights at the much smaller TD Garden. And with eight unfamiliar tracks from the new album and only five from the first four studio albums and none from the Joshua Tree, Bono has an uphill battle to climb. Although they seem to be committed to finishing this two-part experience and innocence experiment, I believe fans, including myself, wish they abandoned the project altogether, chalk it up as a loss, and move on. 
But in many ways, U2's innocent experience tour in 2015 boldly went where no concert tour has gone before. With state-of-the-art visuals and dazzling special effects, the past, the present, and future collided in breathtaking fashion, and I expect this colossal feat will happen again. U2 plays June 21st and 22nd at the TD Garden, and they close out the tour July 3rd at the Mohegan Sun Arena, Uncasville, Connecticut. Yeah, they always find a way of keeping things interesting. No, you two, and as you know, you two uh, treats uh, the Bay State as their second home. Uh, they usually say, you know, this is a, you know, a home show because it was a, uh, Boston, the Paradise Theater, probably play, play into a. Fewer people than listening to us right now uh, back in uh, the 80s, early 80s, on the boy tour. And they were the first, uh, Boston was the first uh, uh, city to embrace the band. Uh, BCN was probably one of the first stations to play them. And they had one of their first big arena shows across the street, June 28th, 83, which is actually uh, the new shows is a week shy from the 35th anniversary of that uh, at the Centrum. And uh, to really get people uh, nostalgic, tickets at that time were twelve fifty each, and they didn't sell out. They could have still got 3,000 more people in the place. Things have changed. That's remarkable. So, uh, and a little, a little change of pace. Following the heels of John Cleese, Carrie Ells, Mel Brooks, George Decay, and William Shatner, John Cusack is the latest actor coming around with a beloved old movie of theirs and fielding questions from the audience after screening it. Hey, it beats working, guys. In the case of Cusack, the movie is high fidelity. A likable enough flick, good but not his best, about a vinyl record store owner and a compulsive list maker recounting his top five breakups, including the one in progress. While Cusack, who co-wrote the script and in, in real life is an avid vinyl file, is perfectly cast as the music snob Jack Black in his breakthrough role steals the movie, followed by a cameo of Bruce Springsteen giving Cusack woman advice. Might be fun, but I would rather hear Cusack talk about gross point break, con air, or say anything especially after Ryan Reynolds hilariously spoofed the film's most memorable scene in the deliciously demented Deadpool 2. Heck, I'd rather see Deadpool 2 again, with or without Cusack's chit-chatting. John Cusack live falling on screen in a high fidelity at June 23rd at the Botch Center Wang Theater, Boston. Yeah, I wonder about high fidelity, too. However, John Cusack is always um, good... Um, conversationalist and, and very witty so um, he should um, rise to the occasion for that and it's a good movie I mean and it's actually uh, it was a British writer who wrote the original thing and he actually made a more Americanized if uh, you recall and he, he's a smart guy yeah, I mean it, it's a good script It's and yet, and his girlfriends in, in the movie include Lisa Bonet and Catherine Zeta-Jones before Catherine Zeta-Jones I think it was any, anybody knew who she was so it, it's it's fun to see that and Jack Black is a is a absolute hoot in the movie 
And as we both know, John Cusack does have a Worcester tie. His father used to be uh, a professor uh, at Holy Cross. So it could be a fun night. Definitely, yeah. Now, in 2016, the music world suffered a major loss with the passing of the Eagles' founding member, Glenn Frey. It looked like it was the end of an era, and most importantly, the end of the Eagles. Well, guess what, people? The Eagles are back. Yes, the band that broke the $100 barrier for tickets and messed it up for everybody is back. And Henry, of course, Don Henry, the voice behind some of the Eagles' most beloved hits, including Desperado, One of These Nights, Life in the Fast Lane, and, of course, Hotel California, and is the uh, and is the sole remaining founding member of the group, which he formed in Fry in '72, is in front of the band again with Joe Walsh and Chimney B. Smith, who uh, entered the band in '75 and '77 respectively, along for the ride, as well as Glenn Fry's 25-year-old son Deacon, and country great Vince Gill. The Eagles played July 20th and 21st at TD Garden, Boston. Well, as long as they have Don Henley, I think they can still fly pretty high. I th- I 100% uh, agree with you, Richard. I saw Henley last year uh, at uh, the bank, uh, Blue Hill Bank Pavilion. He still has the voice, and he does have those great songs. And, uh, you know, Vince Gill is not shabby. Right. And, uh, and there's been a lot of accolades for Deacon saying pretty much that it's it's like watching Glenn Fry 25, 30 years ago. So it could, it probably will be a great night. Now, last time the mighty Foo Fighters conquered Fenway, Dave Grohl was wearing a cast for a broken leg and dislocated ankle. The Foo Fighters frontman was also sitting high and mighty on an elaborate, on an elaborate motorized throne as he unleashed his intense throat-shredding vocals and killer choppy guitar licks, which were enthusiastically answered with a combustible mix of galloping guitars, ricocheting bass lines, and propulsive powder keg drumming. In other words, when God gave him lemons, Grow made nitroglycerin. Well, it's three years later, Grohl's leg is fully healed, and the Foo Fighters have a new record and another reason to rock. Foo Fighters perform July 21st and 22nd at Fenway Park, Boston. So they're still sounding good. Yeah, they're a great live band. I mean, it's amazing as, you know, it's commonplace now. It's not even worth saying anymore. Everybody knows Grohl was the drummer for Nirvana. I mean, it's always sad uh, that we didn't have Kurt uh, Cobain much longer than we did. But at the same time, it's amazing to think of uh, the ultimate George Bailey universe. What would have happened? I mean, uh, Grohl is an amazing person himself. And and who knew he would be this much of a force? And I mean, I call him a torchbearer of rock and roll. He loves rock and roll. I mean, he's rocked out with the Zeppelin guys. I mean, this guy... Is a phenomenal drummer, phenomenal frontman. So, yeah, the Foo Fighters, God bless them. And now time, kids, for the the literary reference of the day. Tell one's fans that their old self can't come to the phone right now because they're dead sounds like a great way to sell a new album. That is if your name is Sylvia Plath or Ann Sexton. Not Taylor Swift. But Taylor did just that. 
Speaking in the third person, no less, on Look What You Made Me Do, the lead-off single from the new, her new album, Reputation, and fans ate it up. Returning to the gridiron for her fifth concert tour, Swift has already proven she has no equal when it comes to showmanship, songwriting, stamina, and star power. Not only does she make her own rules only to break them, she's a master of reinvention and connecting to one's audience. Why she has enough hits that she never has to write another song in her life, the 10 times Grammy Award winner is playing a whopping 12 tunes from Reputation, her new album, while putting a majority, majority of her hits in storage. And the results have been nothing but rave reviews so far. Taylor Swift performs three nights, July 26, 27, and 28 at Gillette Stadium, Foxborough, and I'm, bet, I'm betting those three nights are going to be completely, completely sold out. Yeah, and this is her biggest tour yet, I believe. When you think she can't top herself, she does it again and again. I mean, she's incredible. I mean... She hasn't had an album that stalled. I mean, in a in a, a time and a place where records really don't sell anymore, she's still selling records. And I mean, no one can compete against her. There's a few people who can maybe do a, a, a stadium show like that, maybe one night, some two, but she's doing three. <laughs> I mean, that's that's insane. Speaking about insane. They have tested the limits of, our, of conventional song wisdom. They have obliterated our perception of music as we know it. They have tested our patience. They are Radiohead. Led by singer, songwriter, and resident sonic destructionist Tom York, the Oxford, England quintet has gone from being a bunch of creeps with their first FM radio single, Creep, to the creme de la creme of progressive rockers. Thanks to the help of such radio head trips as OK Computer, Kid A, Hail to the Thief, and In Rainbows. Torn behind a 2016 release, A Moonshaped Pool, Radiohead is about to blow our collective minds and or make us scratch our heads in confusion once again. Radiohead performs July 28th and 29th at TD Garden. Should be another good one. Uh, as I, I mean, you never know what to expect from them, but it should be, I mean, they're the closest thing that we have to real uh, real early Pink Floyd <laughs> I mean uh, they're, they're always doing something different and yeah and uh, the tour kind of came out of the blue and who knows I mean I'm sure it's got me people will be talking about it I'm sure <laughs> the shiny and oh so bright tour it's the first Smashing Pumpkin tour in nearly 20 years to feature Billy Corgan and fellow founding members Jimmy Chamberlain and James Ihall. Not only does the tour coincide with the 30th anniversary of the Smashing Pumpkins formation, the band will only play songs from their first five albums, 1991's debut Gish, 93's Siamese Dream, 95's Melancholy and Infinite Sadness, which was a major hit, 98's Adore, and 2000's Machina, The Machines of God. Only time will tell if Billy Corgan is once again the great pumpkin or still alt-rock equivalent to Charlie Brown. The Smashing Pumpkins perform July 29th at Mohegan Sun Arena and July 31st at TD Garden. Well, that's quite a lineup. Yeah. Um, how we doing today? Good, bad. 
Okay. And those are some of the shows. And also, just briefly, we got David Byrne coming. And we got Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson and Pearl Jam. But I... Uh, the, so that's a little tease of the, what you can expect Sunday. And uh, Richard, uh, we also live in Worcester. What's going on? <laughs> well, we haven't got any names like that coming here, but um, there is still um, uh, a lot that um, people can look forward to, um, both in terms of popular music and classical music. Um, the big event on July 2nd will be the Mass Symphony Orchestra um, with their July 4th celebration a couple of days early with fireworks, the orchestra, a new chorus. Um, that's always a big event that packs East Park um, with, uh, with thousands of people. And then later on in the summer, the orchestra will be doing um, a couple of performances at Institute Park. Uh, looking uh, west a little bit, Indian Ranch is um, gearing up for its summer season. That begins July, June 16th with the Mavericks. And looking at the schedule, I think there'll be quite a lot to please regular Indian Ranch fans with um, country music that includes Charlie Daniels. You've got vintage pop acts like the Beach Boys, minus Brian Wilson, uh, coming, <laughs> coming, coming again. Um, um, there are some newcomers to Indian Ranch, that is, like uh, Andy Grammer uh, and Blackberry Smoke. Um, another returnee that should be po quite popular is uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band. And um, Rick Springfield is coming in September. So, um, that's. And the Springfield show, uh, I think that's, I mean, I can't say enough about Indian Ranch. It's a great venue, it's easy to get to. And if you have never seen a show at Indian Ranch, really make make it a point because you won't be disappointed. I mean, obviously, pick an act you want to see, but it's a beautiful place. There's not a bad scene in the house, and if you get a beautiful day, which usually they do, <laughs> yeah, it's a great place. And I have a feeling Rick Springfield might be a surprise hit for them. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think that that, that promises to be very interesting. Well, there's a lot more going on, but um, we'll get to more of that uh, in future podcasts. I just want to say one more uh, real quick note. Uh, I did want to mention that Worcester-based rapper Julina Lucas has a headlining gig on June 7th at the House of Blues in Boston. This guy's going places, so this might be the last time you can see him in a place this small. So uh, other than that, I think uh, Richard and I... Did a good job. <laughs> well, thanks. And also thanks to Deji Manipulator for the um, music. And that concludes this podcast. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.